All right, so we got another episode of Out of State. You're with Big Raj. We got a special Thanksgiving edition. I have Pags with me. I don't know if I'm thankful for having him here, but I guess I am. I'm thankful to have you here on the podcast to be able to enjoy kind of all the topics we're going to go through today. I'm sorry. I'll start off with this. I know something you're not thankful for. You're not thankful for FIU. Oh, God. Do we have to go in? Yeah, no. I just know. That's it. That's no. all we're going to say. I just want to say you're not thankful for FIU. Right as Michigan moves into rivalry week against Ohio State. I'll tell you what. I'm not thankful that I live across the street from FIU, um, especially when uh, I have my misery being drowned out by the sounds of pots and pans outside. There's a celebration going on outside, and I can't be part of it. Why? Because they're celebrating my misery. Yeah, that's messed up. And honestly, half those people don't even know what American football is. So it's kind of strange <laughs> seeing them celebrate something that they don't quite well, understand. It's, it's okay, because half the UM fans uh, didn't go to UM anyways. They went to FIU. So. Yeah, so like that, that, that's, that's why it is what it is, right? Yeah. But let's start this off by, number one, I'm thankful for football. I look forward to watching football on Thursday more than being with my family. Sorry, family. But this isn't a great slate this year, so I guess really, aside from the Cowboys-Bills game, I'm probably going to enjoy my family more than the football. That doesn't mean it's going to prevent me from watching football over spending time with my family. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, and I always look forward to uh, the yearly tradition of explaining American football to my Cuban older relatives. Yeah, that's always yeah. fun. That's always fun. I've had to do that for a long time. I gave up about 10 years ago, so. No, yeah, and uh, they give up by halftime, and they ask me what channel the baseball game's on. I have to explain to them it's not baseball season. Yeah, it's not, it's not baseball season. I'm also thankful for my girl's parents are coming over for Thanksgiving, so that's always kind of going to be interesting. So I'm hoping that that's going to go well. Hopefully better than the football games, because if that goes as badly as I expect the football games to go, it's not going to be a great Thanksgiving for me. But I heard there's going to be a lot of food. We're doing another Turkey Day football game. I'm currently 4-0 as a starting quarterback. Some people are actually referring to me as the modern-day Lamar Jackson on uh, Turkey Day. Nobody's calling you that. No? Oh, yeah, you're right. I'm more of a – you're right, good point. I'm more of a Pat Mahomes. I don't really run as much, <laughs> kind of fling the ball deep. Anthony, Anthony compared me to Dak Prescott because he said that I do well, I win the game, and sometimes I go a little bit above my level, but I'm limited athletically. Oh, was that was that a better one? That's that is a better one. I like to call myself the Dan Marino of Turkey Bowls because I got the stats – just no, no rings. No rings, yeah. and and it and it looks like you're 50 when you're playing out there. Is that That's what you're saying? I, I am, yeah. Current day Dan Marino, not Dan Marino <laughs> in his prime. Correct, correct. Hey, I can sling it, man. You I do, man. It. I can throw this football over these mountains. You can, you can. Except if you if you pull your back during pregame warmups, oh, because that, that kind of happened. Bad. That happened in, back in 2017. Hey, so man, I toughed it out though. You did. You still played. You tried your best. And uh, you made some good throws. You made some bad throws, but you, you pulled your back. So yeah. that's something that happens once you start getting towards your later well, 20s. You know, with, 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 with what Matt Stafford's been doing this year, what's my excuse, right? Yeah, exactly. This yeah. guy's playing with broken bones in his back. But <laughs> let's go to the greatness in the first name I met. As football fans that we have to be thankful for this year is Lamar Jackson. We thought it couldn't get better than Pat Mahomes last year. There would be nothing more athletic, uh, more exciting to watch. No look touchdowns. Just sheer dominance of the quarterback position that we really had never seen before. 
And I'm not saying that we haven't seen a mobile running quarterback be as impressive as Lamar Jackson was. Because as I said a little later on, I'm going to kind of compare the 15-1 and Cam Newton season to Lamar Jackson's season right now. But Lamar's doing this in year two. He beat a New England defense that I don't think has allowed more than 20 points against anybody besides him. And he dropped 37. And shout out to Mark Ingram for really being by far the best Don King-like hype man in football. He did it last year with Alvin Kamara. And he brought it this year. He brought it as much as he P front runner. If anybody else got to say something different about that, then come see me. Yeah. I'm right here in Bmore outside the bank. If you got an issue with that, come see me. I'm about that. Big trust. Woo woo. Lamar Jackson in the flesh. Yes, sir. Trust. He even passed it on to Judah. I think it was Judah that was at the press conference that started making the jokes. And that just looks like a team that's having an awesome time. Yeah, he uh, he is very much um, like Don King, except he won't take your money. Uh, Judon, <laughs> by the way, uh, very. I, I, I'm starting to love this guy more and more. Not only is he a great player, but he's the type of guy that'll score a touchdown and then take a beer out of a fan's hands and chug that beer. Doesn't care if he's on national television or not. You know what? I, anyone that can get away with drinking at their workplace is a hero in my book. <laughs> And I was, and Judon was actually, if you remember last year when we talked about the Panther game, when the Panthers were actually uh-huh. winning games, where I said, that was the guy that watching that game, I was like, holy shit, he's this good. guy does everything on the field, he's big, he's fast, he has great instincts, but Lamar Jackson, right? Lamar Jackson this season is 9-2, and two, has won his last seven. He has 24 touchdowns, 67% completion, only five interceptions. Passer rating of 111. I don't care too much for QBR. He's taken 20 sacks this season. But I've even been more impressed by another 876 yards rushing. More than Mark Ingram. Six rushing touchdowns. 7.1 yards per attempt. And what you said that stood out when we were talking yesterday. He just doesn't get hit hard. Like, he does get hit. Don't get me wrong. He's running all the time. You're going to get hit. But he never takes that hit that Cam takes, that Deshaun Watson takes, that you're just like, oh, man, is he going to get up from that? He just bounces back up, and it's like the guy's Gumby. Like, nobody's hitting him. He, his change of direction is unbelievable, and I am very thankful that somebody believed in him that wasn't me because I didn't. I wasn't as bad as Bill Poley, and I never said, hey, go put him at receiver, but I didn't expect this. So shout-out to John Harbaugh, and I am very thankful that we've been graced with a better Michael Vick now when I'm 30 years old. Yeah, and uh, to go back to what you were saying, uh, yes, you know, Mahomes, uh, we had the Mahomes excitement last year, this year, uh, it, all, uh, it all seems to be on Lamar Jackson, uh, but it's a very different type of exciting, isn't it? Because Mahomes amazes us with his throws. Lamar, not a bad thrower, or he's actually greatly improved since coming out of college, but the way he excites us is with his feet. And I don't, I don't think that's an insult at all to, to him. I mean, he's still a quarterback, right? I, I'm not going to say that he's a wide receiver that's playing quarterback. He's not, um, you know, uh, Cordell Stewart, you know, out of position or anything like whoa, that. Whoa, 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 whoa. I, I was a huge Cordell guy. Well, we, don't bring Cordell Stewart into okay, this. Well, bring, bring like Terrell Pryor or Braxton Miller Fine. into this. All right, let's go a little more recent. Terrell Pryor. Um, <laughs> The uh, But yeah, no, the, the point is, though, not only do we need to be thankful, but we need to appreciate it while it lasts because everything you're mentioning about him being Gumby, yeah, 
That seems to go away with age, though. That's something that is a, a gift for the youth and, and only the young, um, unless you're Tom Brady. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's pretty incredible. I don't know how long it's going to last. I think Mahomes has more longevity, which is why I still call him the face of the league. But for the next two to three years, this is going to be really fun watching both of those guys. 100%. So just to give you the quick comparison, because I was doing the cam to Lamar comparison, the other stat that will blow your mind here, even though I'm assuming I didn't get the yards, the average third down conversion yardage that the Ravens have, they're converting 50% of third downs and 76% of fourth downs. And Lamar Jackson on his own has converted, oh man, I just saw this earlier. It was like, I think it was like 55 or some absurd number of first downs. Now, let me give you Cam Newton through 16 games, went 15 and 1. I would say that was probably the, the last elite mobile quarterback season ever had that we've had in this time frame. Because Russell Wilson, more of a passer. RG3 right. did it for a year, didn't really last. Kaepernick did it for like half a season, but it never got to MVP status. So Cam Newton had 35 touchdowns with 10 picks. Lamar had 26 and 5, I think I just said. So the INTs might not get there. His passer rating was only 60%. I think Cam took a lot more deep shots, like just those 50, 60-yard bombs to Ted Ginn. Certainly. But similar in the sense that neither of them had great receiving cores. All of them depended on the running game to kind of build what was going. Cam threw for 3,900 yards that year. Like 3,837, so almost 3,900 yards. He rushed for only 636, so Lamar already has more. He had 10 touchdowns, Lamar only has 5 rushing, and most importantly, he got his team to the Super Bowl. That's something Lamar still needs to do. If hey, We'll see if that run they, exists. They're they going to get a Super Bowl out of him. Well, believe, they're, believe but they're that. the favorite. They're, they're the favorite for the Super Bowl, but that's going to be the most interesting. Cam did this in year 5, Lamar's doing this in year 2. So we're thankful for, we're thankful for Lamar, and hopefully one day again I will be thankful for Cam because I want him back. But let's not get into Cam. So... Number two, you could thank me now. I'm thankful that the refs have once again been allowed to change pass interference calls, right? <laughs> because if you put a rule into really? a league, I'm going to have, look, if nobody has heard this stat yet, from week four to week 10, 33 pass interferences were reviewed. Do you know how many were overturned packs? I'm going to say less than 10%. One. One. That qualifies. 32 out of 33 stood as called. Now, as of right now, after week 12, we're at 15 of 77. Which means some memo went out to the refs, which said, hey, we look fucking retarded. I think Roger Goodell finally spoke for the first time since the whole Colin Kaepernick thing, which I never even heard him speak then. He spoke behind closed doors, I guess. (laughs) 10 of 23 have been reversed over the last two weeks. So something changed. They even did it to the Saints. In New Orleans, my Panthers with a chance to upset the Saints for the second consecutive week. They overturned a P.I. That was a P.I. The guy literally grabbed Jarius Wright, stopped him on his route. It was the right call. The Panthers then ensued to do three plays of nothing. And Joey Sly, dude... What the fuck, man? Like, it's like every year we have to have field goal kicker drama. Our kickers hit deep field goals. Like, last year, Gano hits the 63-yarder. 
but then he loses us two games. I just want consistency. The same thing people want from the refs. We just want consistency. If it's pass interference, overturn it. But my biggest point this season, and it has been all year, is why bring in the rule if you're not going to use it? I was against the rule being brought in. I know you were against the rule being brought in. Because of this, you leave too much subjectivity. It's the most subject, subjective rule in football. So even when you, when you see it again, there is no clear way to say, hey, you definitely have to overturn that. The way you do with a fumble where a knee is clearly down. Like, it's a subjective call. And maybe they're improving it now. Maybe the last two weeks are a lesson in what they're doing. But you said you saw something in the Miami game that was terrible. It's certainly not. And, uh, yeah, going to that Miami game, um, there was Nobody a, watched that game, by the way, just so you know. I, I, I know. So I have to, I have to yes, describe t- this t- for t- everybody. Yes. Yes. Okay, so under two minutes before halftime, uh, Baker takes a deep shot to Odell down the field. He's covered by Nick Needham, who's sneaky, sneakily having a very good year. I think he's like the 10th rated uh, defensive rookie in the NFL this year. But anyways, Nick Needham's got perfect coverage on Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham, mind you, this whole game, calling for pass interference. Every single pass thrown to him. Oh, interference, interference. This was one of the rare throws in that game that went to him that he did not complain about. The crowd didn't complain about it. Freddie Kitchens didn't seem mad about it. Everyone seemed understood. Well, All Freddie, right, that well, was, in his defense, Freddie Kitchens never knows what's going on, but continue. Well, that, uh, yeah, true. He, he might have been thinking about uh, lunch later on. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I'm like thinking, all right, no, yeah, this is just a, yeah, good coverage there. Then the refs decide. Booth review. We're going to review and see if this is pass interference. I'm like, really? You're going to? Okay, well, this shouldn't take too long. Guess what? It did. And when they came out and said, yeah, we're going to change the call to no pass inter- from no pass interference to pass interference, I was flabbergasted. I was like, that? that's enough evidence for you motherfuckers to change it? So it goes back to what you're saying. It's consistency. And there is none. There has been none with this rule. And now, thankfully, I've heard that this is a trial thing, and they are not going to, they're probably not going to continue going with this uh, next year, because I think the, it's pretty clear to everybody, the experiment has failed. Yeah, the experiment has 100% failed. And the great stat also is, I, don't, I didn't get the stat of how many were reviewed by each entity, but replay has overturned 7 of the 15, meaning in the last 2 minutes, of the 15 that have been overturned, it has been the ones reviewed by the refs, which means when the refs monitor themselves, they are more likely to overturn it. But if a coach comes out and throws a challenge flag, they're like, Oh, are you saying I don't know what I'm calling? It feels like the refs are offended Wait, that we're questioning. Are you saying that it might be human nature to get defensive when someone calls you out at your job? Yeah. No yeah. way. And especially Shocking. And the subjectivity is what kills it. But I don't want to talk about refs. We got into that for too long. It's a really depressing conversation. Let's bring in something that's really shocked me in terms of diversity in the NFL. Because something that I never thought I'd say out loud. I'm thankful for Christian McCaffrey. You could thank me now. Who would have thought the best running back in football would be white and the best uh, quarterback in football would be black? Like 2019, we, we are breaking barriers, we, folks. Finally, it took a long time, but Christian McCaffrey has made Carolina's disgusting Cam Newton injured, Kyle Allen obsessed season not lost in vain. I love what I've seen out of Run CMC. And he's finally, no one cares about this, Carried my fantasy team to first place because the guy has six, I think it was like 65 
more fantasy points than the next closest skill player. The only player with more fantasy points than Christian McCaffrey pags is Lamar Jackson. The guy number one for go. who we're thankful for. So very thankful for Run CMC, what he's been able to do week in and week out. And really thankful for the progression in quarterback. Me and my dad, 15, 20 years ago, he was an old school football mind. He didn't fully believe in the running quarterback. He was okay with Steve Young, Frank Tarkenton, but he hadn't seen the mobile one work. I think the one he was probably most impressed by ever was Steve McNair, because Steve McNair kind of went from being a running quarterback to more of a pocket passer. But it's great to see that the NFL, the athleticism, the quarterback position has become more exciting for some part. There's still some shitty-ass quarterbacks in the NFL, but it's good to see the Deshaun uh, Watsons, the Patrick Mahomes, the Russell Wilsons, the Lamar Jacksons, Cam Newton, who's hurt now, how these guys have really taken over the position, and we've seen a position where they never thought the black guy was smart enough to play, and we've seen now that four of the top five quarterbacks in the league are black, and I think that's just a great thing to see. And, once again, Gerald McCoy said it. Christian McCaffrey is the baddest white boy in NFL history. Let's not forget that. Yeah, I personally am very thankful for Run CMC for giving white guys like us everywhere hope. You know, and yeah. which, which, by the way, if there's one thing that um, white men are lacking these days, it's hope. So, you know, thank you, Christian. <laughs> we appreciate it. But you know what? I, I like watching on TV, watching him play, and being like, Maybe I can be fast too. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm hoping to channel my inner Christian McCaffrey whenever I decide to take off to run tomorrow on Turkey Day. My belief is that I'm not really as quick or as fast and probably not as white either because I'm Cuban. So, yeah. you know, I got some more stuff in my background. <laughs> but shout out to Christian McCaffrey on an unbelievable season. Thank you for keeping me sane and giving me a slight chance on still hitting over eight wins for the Panthers even though Joey Sly fucked me. Don't fuck me, Tony. Don't you ever try to fuck me. Last weekend. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, all those cigars and panco uh, lechon uh, probably slow us down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cafe con leche. The, no, uh, no, that'll speed you up, the, brother. Yeah, but now <laughs> when you mix that in with croquetas and panco con <laughs> bitens. Yeah, that's, that's when it, that's instant, when it fucks, instant belly fat. Yeah, that's when, it all, that's when it all gets fucked up. But this is a tribute to you. You're the one that suggested this one. So number four. Last thing we're thankful for, at least, let me refrain. Last thing Pags is thankful for. Thank you. Tanking. Pags is thankful for tanking. Why, Pags? Why? Uh, Well, uh, first off, uh, well, I'm thankful that tanking is still allowed. uh, Because if it wasn't, the Dolphins would have been arrested before the season even started. Tanking is allowed. Kneeling is not. Continue. Yeah, that's uh, a little weird (laughs) that where we have our priorities. But anyways, yes, I am thankful for tanking because... Despite what everyone's saying about this being a nightmare scenario for the Dolphins, their draft picks that they thought were going to be low keep getting higher, and Tua's got the injury. You know, it might be a little too mean for me to say I'm thankful for the Tua injury, but if that's what gets us to not have to suck like the Bengals to get the number one overall pick and still get Tua in the draft, like, I'm sorry. I'm thankful for that. And and everything is falling into place. And, you know, if it wasn't for tanking, I would actually have to be upset with this season. But I'm not. I have not been mad whatsoever with my Dolphins this year. Well, yeah. And and you shouldn't be. I was mad at your Dolphins when they beat the Colts. That's because they kicked me out of Survivor. How's your your Survivor pool doing, by the way? Not well. Not well. It it ended. It ended on somebody taking the Bucks over the Cardinals. But I don't want to get into that dark hole again. (laughs) 
So it's great to see that tanking is almost inadvertent because the Redskins and the Bengals, I don't. The Bengals were projected at six wins. The Redskins were somewhere around six and a half. So they weren't supposed to be the bottom two teams. Everyone expected the Dolphins to suck, but the Bengals said no, no. We're gonna hire Zach Taylor, which I predicted, and we're gonna outsuck you. What? What? Now there's for some reason bringing back Andy Dalton, which is kind of strange to me because you might fuck up this whole tanking thing. The rest of the the rest of their season includes the Jets this week, the Patriots at home. They're gonna actually travel to Miami at one point, which will be the Suck Bowl Part Two. Part One was Redskins versus right, Dolphins. Right, right. This is the the, the Tank Bowl Part Two. Yeah, Tank Bowl Part yeah. Two, and they faced the Browns twice. So let's just shout out the Browns real quick for living up to their reputation of just unbelievable hype. Now they're starting to come on late. They're 5-6, and six, and they're probably going to do just enough to ruin their draft pick and still miss the playoffs. So shout out to the Browns for always being the Browns. Shout yeah. out to the Bengals for always being the Bengals. Shout out to the Redskins for just always sucking and being the Redskins. It's nice to know that in an ever-changing world, some things will always stay the same. Consistency. See, why can't the refs be consistent like the NFL franchises? The ones that suck usually stay sucking. The ones that are good usually continue to be good. Yeah, there's something warm and safe about knowing that Cleveland will always suck. You suck. It is. It makes you feel good. It does. And, and just this, this transitions really well into the consistency and tradition. And we're going to have another shitty... First game on Turkey Day. We're going to transition to... Show me the money! I need to feel you, Jerry! Show me the money! Jerry, you better yell! Show me the money! Show me the money! Lions-Bears. I'm sorry I'm transitioning to Bears at Lions. But once again, the Lions suck. The Lions being mediocre is over because we have no Stafford. Matt Patricia's fat ass is still the head coach. The Bears don't know what they're doing at quarterback. And the best story about the Lions going into this week, Jeff Driscoll might be too hurt to play, right? So they reach out to the XFL. I guess they called Vince McMahon on the phone. They're like, hey, Vince, listen. Yo, yo, what do you want? Wow, is that that what Vince... So (laughs) the actual story is that the XFL vetoed the Lions' opportunity to grab Josh Johnson. And now the Lions are going to have to settle... With David Blow. Yes, that means the NFL would rather you sign a journeyman quarterback who I think Josh Johnson has played for 13 teams and has proven incompetent. And a guy whose last name is Blow, so that's suspect in itself, over the guy who had a workout two weeks ago because we both know he hasn't received a call. And for that reason... So, I, so, so they'd rather take a guy who who's... Blows over a guy who kneels. Yes, and over wow. and over a guy whose last name is Blow because Josh Johnson blows. David Blow, I don't expect anything from being that he's an undrafted free agent and Colin Kaepernick is, uh, is not going to be able to play for the Lions this week. It's just unbelievable, and this is why I will tell you, take the Bears' money line. It's going to be like minus 190, maybe minus 200. I know you're betting on Mitch Trubisky, but you know if you're going to be up at 10 a.m., your family's going to be cooking. If you're in a Cuban household, 
Your grandma's already going to be talking way too loud. Mm-hmm. And you might as well p- sprinkle some action we, on the we, game. You're going to have that uh, one drunk relative. Who got there way yeah. too early and, and everyone's everyone, like, dude. Everyone's a little worried about him, but, uh, you know, he's been doing this long enough. You figure, you know. Yeah, you figure, like, he's not going to break down. He's, yeah. He should be able to get through the day. And at that point, you're going to want to just have a little bit of money on the Bears. That's all I have. Maybe take the under. This is a terrible game. If you miss it, if you have to do some stuff with your girlfriend, maybe get to her parents' house a little bit early. Hey, baby. Just make sure you're in front of a TV by 4.30. Because at 4.30, we finally have the only good game on the slate this week. We have the emerging Buffalo Bills, 8-3. Mm-hmm. With Josh Allen, the third leading rushing quarterback in the league, taking on the Dallas Cowboys, who... This is the scenario I threw out for you. Tell me what you think, right? Okay, let's hear it. So we got Jason Garrett, a.k.a. The Clapper, after last week, a.k.a. Red Face, a.k.a. I go for field goals in AKA, games when my team can't drive the ball. A.k.a. I'm still haunted by that 2017 loss to Aaron Rodgers. 100%. A.k.a. Troy Aikman's former backup who criticized me on live TV. A.k.a. the reddest face in the NFL. Yeah, now that Tom Coughlin is uh, <laughs> in a more managerial role as a president for the Jaguars, Absolutely. that is correct. He's taking the spot. <laughs> but I think they should call up CBS, right? And they should say, hey, CBS... I'll throw you $10 million and Jason Garrett for Tony Romo. I don't know how many years left are on Romo's deal. He predicts the plays when he's calling the yeah. game way better than I've ever seen Jason Garrett call the plays. I know Kellen Moore's calling plays right now, but I'm sure Jason Garrett has some say on the game plan. Yeah, and at this point, send Jason with Witten with Jason Garrett because he's a no, no. We're not no, no, no. We're not putting no, no. We're not putting Witten back in the booth. We already saw that debacle. Let's leave Witten on the Witten's better on the field at whatever he is now. I think sixty than he is in the booth. So let's keep Witten out there. I'm not saying you have to keep playing him, but don't don't do that to CBS because then they're definitely gonna. That's like. You're putting a poison pill in the trade. All, all I'm saying is, like, you, I mean, he might as well have been retired because he, he I, I never notice him out there anyways. He finds a spot, and he, like, plants his flag and stays there, and if Dak gets enough time, he throws it to win. It's okay. But Romo should be the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. They should do this right now. If they do it, they have a chance at a Super Bowl. If they don't, they're probably going to miss the playoffs or get eliminated in the first round. So... I got Buffalo plus six and a half at Dallas. Everyone thinks, oh, Dallas redemption game. They're going to be come out swinging this game. I like Buffalo. I think six and a half is way too many points. I might go ahead and tease that with Chicago. Get them plus three, ties win. Little six and a half point teaser at minus 130. But if I had to pick one game this week, I'm going to go Josh Allen, who I'm actually going to start over Dak Prescott in fantasy because I have both. One sixth, Josh Allen. One third, Dak Prescott. And I'm going to go Buffalo as my favorite pick for Thanksgiving, plus six and a half at Dallas. You are doubling down on this. Not only are you putting your money on the Cowboys, but you're risking your fantasy lineup here too as we're getting close to like pretty much last week before the playoffs. All right, fine. Full disclosure, I already clinched the one seed, and even Uh, if I lose, it doesn't matter. Okay, okay. But I still like Josh Allen more. I want to put up more points, and I – I think Dak is better than Josh Allen. Let's not get this twisted. I just think because of what Josh Allen does in terms of running the football, the fact that Buffalo's D is better than Dallas's D, and there's nothing that's going to convince me that 
Jason Garrett isn't Simple Jack. <laughs> Tropic Thunder <laughs> reference. I can't willingly yeah. just take Dallas with by almost a touchdown against a winning team when they are 0-4 this season against winning teams. I will offer a little buyer's beware here. Um, because I, I hear what you're saying. At the end of the day, Bills have a better defense than the Cowboys' defense. Um, even So Dak Prescott, obviously on a better offense, is the better quarterback. Josh Allen can give you st- something with his legs. So maybe if he gets to uh, you know scoring some rushing touchdowns, that'll add up to more points at the end he of the has, day. He has eight this year, more, can, more, more than Lamar Jackson. I can also see foresee a scenario in which the Bills' offense puts up two touchdowns and the Cowboys' offense puts up like five, and three of them are passing touchdowns. And because it, 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 both teams have had that kind of game throughout the year, um, I think that desperation is breathing down the neck of Dallas, and sometimes that little fire lit on your ass is exactly what you need to, to get things going. It's possible, it's possible, but being that they still have Jason Garrett at head coach, I'm going to take a closer game. Understood. And yeah. I'm gonna take, but, but I see your very valid arguments. The Bills have a two-game lead in their wild card picture. This is, this is a more difficult game. You're not with your family. You're traveling on Thanksgiving. They're in you Jerry might, World. You're in Jerry World. Yeah. But I heard Josh Allen loves going to Jerry World, so <laughs> I'm going to ride with the Bills. Game number three, Saints-Falcons. We have Saints at Atlanta. Um, no one's happy about this game. It is a revenge game for the Saints, who were beat out 26-9. Drew Brees got stomped. The offense didn't look great. And... Honestly, Alvin Kamara and the Saints didn't look fantastic against the Panthers this week. They made their moments. They had their plays. But overall, I wasn't blown away by it. And for that reason, I'm leaning Saints. You said uh, no one's really happy about this game. Correction, I'm happy about this game because I'm starting Michael Thomas in my fantasy lineup. And that Atlanta secondary is Swiss cheese, man. Yeah, unless Kyle Allen's playing quarterback. But that's neither here nor there. Um the Falcons, <laughs> the Falcons looked a little more normal against the Bucks. Godwin went off for like I think it was a buck seventy and two touchdowns, seven receptions, and absolutely abused them. Jameis did the Jameis where he started giving them the game, but then he took it back like that little treat he normally does, where he likes to give you a few points before he comes back into the game. Yeah, was the treat by any chance a dub? Because I know he loves those. Yeah, that. Wow, yeah, yeah, you have a good ear. Even though I I will admit, um, probably not a great idea for a quarterback to eat his own fingers because you're kind of going to need those. Yeah, you're probably going to need those. Probably not the best of idea. Although it's not like he's going to fill them with rings or anything. So, Uh, hey, what's the Well, he got a a national championship ring. Okay. I, I know. I, I just had to take yeah. another shot at Miami, yeah. FSU. Yeah. As, as if I'm not having a, enough of a miserable week. It's all right. It's all right. At least Manny Diaz is your head coach. So, <laughs> well, well, you know what? Uh, it's not the only ring that he caught in FSU, too. He also caught a uh, sexual assault ring. But, uh, oh, God, wow. Kind of went down yeah. the, uh, the old uh, sewer there once he was drafted. It's weird. You know, Tallahassee police could be so quiet. Yeah, well, he's still a top 20 quarterback in the NFL, believe it or not. He's just Jekyll and Hyde. I think he's top 20, top 22, because he still throws for a lot of yards. He is, well, we talked about this, I think, yesterday, too, where I think he's kind of reminds me of, like, the Jay Cutler, where he has, like, these unbelievable traits. He can win you games, and there's times that you watch him where you're like, wow, like, this guy can really do it. And then the next play, you're like, wow. This guy really sucks. How do you go number one? And it just has like kind of a Jay Cutler effect to it. But 
Saints-Falcons. I think the Saints are going to come out with a vengeance. The Falcons look like after they got like reinvigorated for those two games, they went back to status quo. And I think the Saints know how competitive this NFC is, how much each win matters. So I actually expect the Saints to come out firing this week and cover the six and a half points, probably win by more than a touchdown. What are your thoughts? Yeah, actually, I, I'm with you 110%. I don't know if, if the Saints care about the Falcons that much this year to call it a revenge game. I don't even think they're like thinking of the, like, the last time they played each other because that was like sort of Drew Brees' like, warm-up game, right? Yes. Yeah, so I think that's the only thing. They were like, all right, well, we, we have a great record. We could take an L to this whatever team. Uh, but they are going to light the Dirty Birds up. Um, and uh, let me tell you something. The, the turkey in your oven isn't going to be the only cooked bird on Thanksgiving night. Wow. Great point. Great point. I don't really like eating cooked falcon. I'm more of a turkey guy myself. Hey, but don't knock it till you try it. You're right. You're Actually, right. just knock it. It was yeah, terrible. Yeah, that's a terrible idea. But <laughs> what happens after Thanksgiving, Pags? Is it Black Friday? Oh, it's the real American tradition, at least nowadays. Black Friday. Friday, which I don't know, can we call it Black Friday anymore? It no, seems we a still could. No, it's not uh, insensitive. Okay. Don't, don't, okay. don't be right. a pussy. So <laughs> we have Black Friday. So we have some Black Friday specials. We're going to talk about a couple of the NFL teams right now who are not necessarily top five or six. The odds are ten to one or worse, and who we think still has a legitimate shot to win the Super Bowl. So I'm going to start this off, and if you don't know, currently the Ravens were at about 3-1, to one. the Patriots are like 3.5 to 4-1 to one to win the Super Bowl, they are now the two favorites to win the Super Bowl, both in the AFC, because the AFC, like I said, is the B League, it has been inferior all season. But I think 10-1 to one is way too low for the Kansas City Chiefs. We haven't had a healthy KC team all year. Tyreek Hill will be back for the postseason, humming at 100%. They'll have Sammy Watkins back, Travis Kelsey back. Uh, they're going to have the, uh, what's his name, Chris Jones back. And Pat Mahomes is going to have another five to six weeks to play with that knee that he did affect in that game. I'm sure that's still a transition to get confidence back in your leg. The first time he's had a serious or half-serious injury in the NFL. And call me crazy, but I still think Pat Mahomes is the best quarterback in football. I'm not saying Lamar Jackson isn't playing better, but if you're going to give me the extreme odds of 3.5 to 1 and 3 to 1 with the Patriots and the Ravens, that's not Black Friday. That's not bargain shopping. You're paying for what you're getting. You're going to fucking Best Buy on a Tuesday, the day before Christmas, when shit's 20 to 25% inflated. They're both coming off big wins. So that price is a little higher than it should be. And I'm going to go take the value on the team coming off a of bye week and take Patty Mahomes, who I still think is the best QB in football. I, I don't think Texans at 38 to 1 you should consider. Bills at 95 to 1. Uh, Indy and Cleveland are like 120 to 1. I like the Chiefs. 10 to 1. Still great odds. That's my Black Friday special of the week. Well, you're crazy. But you're absolutely right about Patrick <laughs> Mahomes. Uh, he's still, yes, he is the best quarterback in the league. And I feel like all it takes is like, a couple of weeks off with an ankle injury, or, or a, not even an ankle injury, a kneecap, a kneecap injury, um, to for uh, for people to sort of forget. I don't think it's going to take 
too long for people to watch Patrick Mahomes play again and be like, oh, yeah, that guy's really good. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, yeah. Um, here's my counterpoint, though. I'm not so concerned about the Chiefs' offense as I am concerned about their defense. Their defense is still shaky. Okay, they haven't really done anything to fix that. I think that they, sh- they are a team that should have absolutely offered the first-round pick, first- and second-round pick for Jalen Ramsey. I agree completely, and, and I bet you the Rams wish that would have happened too. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Everyone would have came out better. But um, not only that, though, and I, I think that so, – okay, so Patrick Mahomes won the MVP last year. Fair to say he came into this season fairly confident, right? Who Absolute, wouldn't be? Absolutely. There is a downside to confidence, though. And it is showing with the interceptions with Mahomes this year. And not only is it the numbers are up, because that could be a variable of different factors. But it's if you watch him play, he's making riskier decisions. He's making more head-scratching decisions. And I think it's because he feels like he can do no wrong. And as maybe as true as he might be as, as that might be, it is sort of hurting his play. Last year's Patrick Mahomes was better than this year's Patrick Mahomes, even with the, the injuries aside and all that. My, my, my counter will be that I think Pat Mahomes was great the first few weeks. And I think, yes, he had some games where he tried to do a little too much. He tried to kind of take over. The biggest issue with Kansas City that I mentioned to you early in the year is that I don't know why they're so depending on old-ass LaShawn McCoy and not just kind of saying okay to Damian Williams – and just riding that wave or maybe trying the rookie. But LaShawn McCoy just feels too old. That's the fear. But I think in this playoff run, I have confidence that he's learned from some of this. And he knows what he needs to do. And Andy Reid will coach him up to finish this season. I'm not terribly confident in Andy Reid come playoff time. But I think Pat Mahomes has the ability to go to Baltimore and beat Lamar Jackson in a shootout. To go to New England and beat Tom Brady in a shootout. Shit. If D4 doesn't decide to line up offsides, that's what we would have seen. And we would have seen Pat Mahomes already have a Super Bowl victory in his belt. So for that reason, I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going to buy high on KC. Now let's take a look at the NFC. Real quick before we go into that, I do want to say I have a new nickname for LaShawn McCoy. What is it? The politician. (laughs) Why? Because he's old and he's shady. I got ah, it. Ah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. You didn't tell me about I'll that. I'll be here all night. Folks. I didn't know you had that in your repertoire. <laughs> so, for you, I told you to pick an NFC team. The candidates we had were the Seahawks at 11 to 1, which isn't fantastic value. It's still good value, but the fact that they're not first in their division kind of makes it a little bit riskier because they're going to have to, if they don't win the division, they're going to have to win a road playoff game, then win two at home. And we haven't seen that work in recent years. We have the Dallas Cowboys, 27-1, to 1, coming off of a gut-wrenching loss and everyone clamoring for their coach to get fired. We have Philly, 20, uh, I'm sorry, 67-1, to 1, who just lost to Seattle and look as lost as can be. And then a bunch of other teams that really have no legitimate shot. The Vikings are actually ranked higher because they still have a chance to uh, catch up to Green Bay. I think they're 10-1. to 1. So you got Vikings ten to one, Seattle eleven to one, Dallas twenty seven to one, Eagles sixty seven to one, or the field. Who do you got? Okay, so after uh, beating a uh, barrage of old women with my shopping cart, I was able to make it to the bargain bin, reach all the way down, and I can't believe the treasure I just found. 
It's the Dallas Cowboys at 27 to 1. With or without Tony Romo? Uh, you know what? I, I think the odds would go, uh, would, would, Probably be more favorable if, if Tony Romo, if the Tony Romo situation that you put out there were to happen. Um, so I'm going to keep it where it is right now. So I'm going to say that doesn't happen. But I, this is why I think it's a bargain. The Dallas Cowboys, and we see it a lot, okay? We see this a lot in the NFL playoffs because it's a one-game sample size. Because um, there's so much randomness in this playoffs. And probably... Maybe baseball is the only other team that's got more randomness in their sport. But even that, that sport has uh, series. Um, in a one-game elimination, the Dallas Cowboys have the ingredients to make that kind of run where they weren't terribly impressive throughout the regular season. Uh, if they get in, they're going to get in with, uh, I don't know, nine or ten wins, Right. It's going to be like like the 05 Steelers or the 07 Giants. It's going to be like one of those teams. But they have the ingredients on offense specifically that if the defense just takes their game up to a little bit, like another level, but you know, not too much, they've got Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper. And I dare you to find me a combination that's been deadlier for the past two years. They've got Ezekiel well, Elliott running behind that offensive line that – it's it's still pretty good. Stephon Gilmore, I think, killed Amari Cooper. Or, or well, okay. was no, he on the no, field that game? Yeah. I know, I'm being yeah. a dick. No, <laughs> it's 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 it would be hard to tell because he had zero catches. I think at one point they even pulled him off the field and they said, "Look, guy, I, just take the day off because you're not doing anything out there." But Stephon Gilmore is the best cornerback in the NFL. He Hands does it down. to everybody. Better than Jalen Ramsey, best corner <laughs> in football right now for sure. Absolutely. So that was no surprise. Um, I don't uh, I don't think they're gonna face Gilmore until they get to the Super Bowl. So you, you don't have to, to worry about that uh, until the last game. And they just they have all the, all the talent in the world. They are probably the most talented team to not have a winning record right now. Well, no, they have, I, they're 6-5. and five. They have a winning record. Six, okay, so they barely have a winning record. Yeah, they're probably, but, they're probably the best 6-5 and five team or worse in terms of record in the NFL roster. They have a top three roster in the NFL. On paper, exactly. On paper, that is not a 6-5 and five team. And I am a huge believer in talent. And I am going to roll... If I'm going to roll the dice on a bargain pick like this, I'm going to roll with the most talented team I see. And to me, that's the Dallas Cowboys. And I think at 27-1, to you are getting incredible value. So if you're somebody that believes that more than anything, the play calling and that defense can get it together, because we expected that defense to be a lot better. They had such a surplus of talent on defense. They decided to let Taco Charlton walk. For nothing. Has Taco even looked decent for you guys? Actually, no, no. Taco Taco has been our, our best defensive lineman this year, our, our sack leader this year. And I understand that's not saying a whole lot. I'm not saying he's been a pro bowler this year, but he's like been good enough that I'm excited about the future with him. And that just shows you how certainly, good. Certainly not a guy that you would have thought that was just thrown away. Yeah, like you're just like, oh, yeah. we, don't, we don't want. He was, exactly. he was a guy in the bargain bin that was essentially being given away. Correct. He was given away for Black Friday two months earlier. And that's why I agree that if Dallas can kind of piece it together, I think they could do it. They did. They beat Seattle last year, even though Russell Wilson is playing the best football of his life. The question is, can they travel to Green Bay and win? Can they travel to San Francisco and win? Can they travel to New Orleans and win? And I guess that's still left to be seen. But in terms of roster makeup and value at 27-1, to 1, I can't deny that your Black Friday special is... You're getting more value than I am. But there's only three teams that have a legitimate shot in the AFC. It's the Patriots, 
the Ravens, and the Chiefs. Correct. Which is why if I'm going to get the Chiefs at 10-1, to 1, because I'm not positive the Patriots or the Ravens are going to win, that's where I'm going to go. Pat Mahomes blind that, and bet. That's the best AFC bargain pick you can go with. Absolutely. I didn't even look at the AFC because to me the real value is going to be in the NFC um, but, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying with the Chiefs. I don't think it would be all too shocking if Mahomes is holding that Vince Lombardi trophy at the end of the year because we, are, we can all picture it in our head. We know it's coming. The question is when. Exactly. So, enjoy Thanksgiving. Enjoy football. Gobble, gobble, y'all. Buy some shit on Black Friday. Hopefully yes. when I come back next week, I am a unbelievable 6-0 and as a starting quarterback. I don't know if I could keep my streak going, uh. but I'm going to try to. I'm going to try to keep my dominance the way Lamar Jackson is trying to keep his dominance, the way Christian McCaffrey is trying to keep his dominance. I'm thankful for football, thankful for the podcast, thankful for next season because yeah. my football season's over. You know, the Panthers I'm, are done. I'm thankful for you, buddy. Thanks, man. Yeah, Thanks. I, 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 just, I, I want to tell you this now so that you, you're not mad at me later tonight. When the Miami Heat roll into Houston and take – the ignition out of the rocket. Listen, if we lose tonight after what I just read five minutes ago, which I don't think you've seen because you'd probably be less excited. If we lose to a Jimmy Butlerless Miami, I'm gonna be really upset. Oh, Jimmy's got the coal. Yeah, Jimmy. Wait, up. wait a second. Didn't we smoke you guys without Jimmy Butler last time? No, Jimmy played in that oh, Jimmy game. Played in that Jimmy game. played in that game. It was the Milwaukee. Yeah, game, Jimmy right? played so in that mistake. game. So uh, let's go, Houston. We've lost three in a row. Let's pick that shit wait, back what up. Are you, what are you gonna do about Kendrick Nunn though? <laughs> What do you do about James Harden? <laughs> Enjoy Thanksgiving, folks. Happy Thanksgiving, y'all. And, and happy Thanksgiving from the dogs, too, because I think they're done with us recording the podcast. Good to know. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs>